We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Real OG, Akib Talib and Michael Crabtree with the chain snatching. And you get that again in the beginning of this game. What a bizarre football game. The, the game itself wasn't the most entertaining, but boy, the other stuff was. And yeah, both these guys ejected in a fight. And Crabtree gets his chain snatched again by Talib <laughs> in that fight. And then his helmet is off. And then they're fighting each other, and there's punches being connected. I mean, I tell you, those guys, I, I know that some people complain, you know, it's such a bad look, whatever, and, like, I understand oh. that take. It's hard, it's hard for me to argue it's against it. It's not a it, bad but, look in hockey when they do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it is more legal there. You just go in the penalty box. You're not going to get ejected. So I, I understand I understand that part of it because now you don't have one of your best corners and your, your best wide receiver because he's been better than Cooper Crabtree. Um, you know, I, I just it, it that's not good from that perspective. But you know what? Since it's neither one of those teams are teams I root for, I love it. I love seeing those two go after it, especially with Talib and his history, because I know how he is. Like, I mean, this guy, he he just doesn't have any respect for Crabtree. He's what do you call him? He's a, a sucker ass sucker, right? He doesn't have any respect for him. They're both from the Dallas area. Right. And and it's like, listen, sucker ass sucker, this is the way it's going to go. Like, I'm going to take your chain again because you're a buster. It was- and this is and this is the deal, right? I mean, this like is what's Devo. going on here. It was like, Devo, what you got on my 40? I mean, he snatched my man chain a second time. It was unbelievable, unreal. And Crabtree, somebody got to keep your helmet on. And I, I didn't think he, he didn't take it off uh, intentionally. The the Broncos who came to get in on the, the action, uh, they snatched it off. And where were his teammates when all this was going on? It took him forever to get over there to help Crabtree. If this had been the old Raiders, they'd still be fighting. I mean, that was ridiculous. <laughs> Where were his teammates? And then when they're escorting Akeem Tlaib off the field, you have to go past the Raiders' bench to get into the, the dressing room, the locker room. If this were the old Raiders, they would be whipping his ass the minute he set foot on their sideline. Where were they? I'd yeah. be upset if I were Crabtree. I'd be highly yeah. upset my teammates. I mean, it's tough because you don't want to get yourself ejected. You're already getting those players ejected. But once that, once you get in that situation, like all bets are off, right? Right. I mean, you, you would think that all bets are off. I mean, it, it looks like the the Lonzo Ball situation. Now we do have Vance Joseph on this uh, talking about the the brawl and how you know stuff like this just shouldn't be happening. Right now, I you know I'm dealing with the uh, result of what happened. You know, both teams lost two of their best players. It's nonsense. It's silly. You know, I don't know what exactly happened, but I know it can't happen. You know, to our football team especially. Well, he's, he's right. You lose two of your best players, and, and I understand that. But he, Vance Joseph should be more concerned with his starting quarterback sitting on the sideline crying. I mean, yeah. that would be a bigger well, problem. He should have been up fighting too instead of sitting over there whining like a little baby, nine of what, 
50 for 40 point, uh, forty yards, no points to speak of, giving up sack after sack. He couldn't hit a bull in the backside with a palm full of rice the entire damn game. And then you're ever crying? Really? I know. That was, and that was the other part of this that was just remarkable. So I'm looking up at Paxton Lynch on the sideline before the game, and I've seen him before. And when I've seen him before, I have the same reaction. The way he looks makes me think he can't be successful. He looks like Zorro or somebody. (laughs) Should have a sword. (laughs) I mean, it's just, there's just something. (laughs) Right. Someone did a side by side of him in the old Buccaneers logo with the guy had the. I mean, it's it's like, what in the hell is this guy? He's a swashbuckler. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. He's a swashbuckler, and he's got his hair up in a weird way, and like his—I don't know—the weird goatee. I like this guy. He can't be any good. And then, so he ends up getting hurt. He's, ho- excuse me, he's horrible before he gets hurt, and then he's on the, the sideline on the bench, just bawling his eyes out over what happened. And this is fresh off of John Elway calling his team soft. So you've got guys on the defense that are saying. You got to be nuts. We're not soft. And then one of those guys gets in a fight and gets ejected. And then the freshly picked quarterback, well, not freshly, but he's been around a little bit. You know, this quarterback that John Elway drafted that he thought eventually he'd be given the keys to the franchise to, this guy is, is you want to talk about soft. I mean, he cries. He sucks. He gets hurt. <laughs> he, he, he looks like he's something out of Pirates out of the Caribbean. I mean, what the hell? What a mess this team is. Boy, I tell you, it's like you would you take that Super Bowl and then know that this mess was coming? Because I don't know. Because the mess that's here right now with the Broncos is just out of hand. No, I'm with you, man. It, it, this is a dumpster fire currently in. You have that the big brawl there, and, and then you have your quarterback crying. Could it get any worse? And that's on the heels uh, of your your owner or your your head of football operations saying uh, that you, you're a bunch of softies. So that's what happens when you have crazy seasons uh, like this, and you're a team that expect it, which there with there are with higher expectations, and everybody focuses on you. You're a couple years removed from a Super Bowl championship. And now all this stuff is illuminated because of who you are and because it's John Elway and, and he's drafted these cats and, and he's brought in certain people from free agency. I mean, it, it's just amazing. You had one of their uh, DBs who was uh, – he was uh, cut the other day because he showed up late to a meeting. I mean, just all type of all types of things befall you when you're having a season like this. Yeah, it is – it is in a, is a bad situation now for them. And, and John Elway, who was uh, someone that very rarely can succeed both on the field at a high level and then in the front office at a high level, he did so. But, you know, now he's he's feeling the other side of things. I mean, I think that uh, there's no doubt that he's feeling the the negativity of the, the fans about his, the job that he's done in that front office and that they are just totally – out of it, and we'll see about the Raiders. I don't know. I still don't think that they're good enough. We'll see if this, I mean, the defensive coordinator change, can you even say that it worked because Paxton Lynch was so bad <laughs> and there was a couple of touchdowns there that they gave up late? I don't know. We'll yeah, you put Trevor Simeon in, and the offense looks much, much better. Of course, you're in two-minute offense at that point, and you're going up against more of a, a uh, you know, a, a defense that wants to bend, don't break. 
And 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 so Simeon looked fine. Of course, he looked more comfortable uh, in the ball game. But they have so many problems now defensively, uh, not being able to stop the Raiders. And and that huge pass, you know, they're down seven. They give up that huge pass to Cordero Patterson. Uh, there is just a even hole, and, and Patterson comes down with it. And then no one wanted to to tackle the man. Uh, so so many problems with the Broncos. This is a lost year for them. Uh, but and you know maybe they have to thrust Paxton Lynch back into the starting role once he's healthy and he's gotten over the sobbing and, and see if he is going to be the future because right now he doesn't look the part and you see all these younger quarterbacks are Carson Wentz you see uh, a, a, a Jared Goff with the Rams and and how well they're playing and you're sitting there with a guy who's boohooing on the sideline. Who do you think is going to win that AFC West? I, I, you know, I like the way the Chargers are playing. I hated that uh, Anthony Lynn had to go back home. He's from the Dallas area and beat up on my Cowboys, and he was probably a Cowboys fan growing up as well. Uh, but the way they're balling right now, and they have a uh, a solid signal caller in, in Phillip Rivers and the running game, and their defense is flying around and causing turnovers, uh, I, I would say I'm going to say it's going to be between the, the Chargers and the Chiefs. Well, did they start 0-3 or 0-4, the Chargers? 0-4. Oh and wow. four, yeah, and then they lost all those games fairly close. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, that's right. I know with the uh, young young way coup with a couple yes. opportunities, <laughs> and yeah, young Ho had to get out of here, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> he did. Look, it was the right move. Clearly, yeah. I mean, I, I, maybe the Chiefs figure it out, and maybe Andy Reid makes those adjustments we were talking about because he can't do the same stuff offensively that he was doing because it's not working any longer. Um, and, and again, the defense isn't good enough to carry him. But right now, the Chiefs are just total disaster. So I, I would say I'd agree with you. I mean, that's the team that's playing the best. And, and Keenan Allen, by the way, is back to being an oh. elite wide receiver. Uh, it's had beast. that year year off with the ACL last year, unfortunately. Yeah. It came back, was an impact player first couple of weeks. He is now he's in, now a franchise-type wide receiver once again, which what he was prior to him getting hurt. I mean, the 2015 season, the guy was incredible. You know, 2016 ends up getting hurt. Now he's back in, in 2017. And with Melvin Gordon, you've got uh, both tight pass-catching tight ends and Gates and Henry. You've got Keenan Allen to go with with Williams and Travis Benjamin. Who's been, and then Rivers slinging it around in that defense with that pass rush we've talked so much about. And this, we both liked the Chargers in the beginning of the year. And yep. then we got off to such a terrible start and we didn't say much about it. But, I, I mean, they could. They could very easily end up winning that AFC West. The defense is, is tremendous with those bookends. Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, and, and, and you know, they're turning their their, their foes over. Uh, that's the key. And and now they're, they're winning those those close ball games. So if they can keep that churning out and, and they can stay healthy, I think they'll be fine. And how about the Minnesota Vikings on ah, Thanksgiving? Yeah. Just unbelievable. And I really you – know, I've been nervous about all these games naturally, but I really thought that this was one that they'd take a step back in. Thanksgiving, short week. They just beat the Rams. It's a big deal for Detroit. Detroit needs the game to stay in the race. I mean, really desperately needed to win that game. And the Vikings come out again. They're just so unbelievably impressive. And and it's just – that that offense is just – they're just different. Like they just they can do it. I don't know how the hell they're doing it, but they can. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that their offensive line that was totally retooled has worked. I mean, that retooling has absolutely worked. And Case Keenum is like, dare I say, you know, a legitimate everyday starter in the NFL right now. And I know Leave that could change. Him alone, man. I mean, I know that could change, but and he had an unbelievable college career, which doesn't mean much. 
But I'm now thinking back to that and thinking, well, maybe he finally found his stride here in the NFL. And Adam Thielen continues to ball and Stephon Diggs and Kyle Rudolph. And it's just, I mean, they are, they're just good. I mean, it's just so hard. It's just so hard to believe. I knew the defense would be there, but uh, the fact that the offense has these pieces and they're playing as well as they are, I mean, they're as good as anybody in football. I, I agree. The defense is dynamite, but it, but Case Keenum, there should be no more questioning whether or not he's your starter going forward. The guy is a magician out there getting away from pressure time and time again, and he did it Thanksgiving Day and, and finding receivers down the field, making big-time throws when they needed most to keep a drive going, whether it's a touchdown pass. Uh, I mean, he, he's just phenomenal. Was it the? I think it was he threw one to the, the tight end. It was just, uh, it was just incredible. Just dropped it in there. Uh, he can can make all those throws. He's getting a a real opportunity now to lead this football team, and he's doing just that. I like the play, the offensive play calling, and, and you know, it's it, a lot of movement, getting your playmakers involved, and having Stephon Diggs back healthy is definitely a, a big plus. So. This team, they looked apart, and if they can continue to play defense the way they can and and help Everson Griffin name his new baby, you know they're gonna be huh. just fine. Yeah, I know. I I, I bet you his uh, his wife was upset when he said I, I just had a baby. She's like, <laughs> you just see her going, excuse me. Um, but that's what I helped make a baby. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it would be pretty ironic though that the history of the Minnesota Vikings, and especially the recent history with all the offensive superstars that they had in that Dennis Green era. Yeah, you know, whether it be that that year that Cunningham had, or you know, even before that, and you know, Warren Moon was there, and then Dante Culpepper was there, and Randy Moss, and Chris Carter, and Jake Reed, and Robert Smith, and all those guys that they had, that they would go and have one of their best seasons with Case Keenum, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. Like these guys were were not big name players. You know, Latavius Murray, Jarek McKinnon, and they're playing like it. I mean, they're playing like big time offensive players consistently. Every single week. Now, your team, on the other hand, is totally falling apart <laughs> offensively, and, and I'd had some major concerns. I'm like, I, I, you know me. I've been a Dak Prescott supporter. Uh, I've been, you know, really anytime that people have tried to knock him because he's got a great running game and a great offensive line, it's a, give me a break. The guy's been playing phenomenally, but they look lost. He looks lost. I mean, I don't know. The offensive line, I think, is a little bit overrated this year, um, but – I mean, I don't know how you can take a running back out of that mix and be this bad after that. It's just, it's. I mean, maybe a little bit of regression, but this bad, it's really shocking to me. Yeah, I'm with you, and everyone's pointing to the absence of Ezekiel Elliott, and I don't see that being the biggest problem. Yes, he's a key part to that offense, but you still have a lot of the other players that are there, and, and we are both in accord when it comes to Des Bryant. He's not a guy who's going to blow the, blow the top off of a defense, so he doesn't f- really bring a ton of fear uh, into that defensive uh, room. Uh, Dak Prescott, I, I look at how Russell Wilson plays without an offensive line really to speak of and without uh, to speak of uh, a, a running game, and yet he's still successful. He moves around. They move him around quite a bit. And it, you got quick throws. Now, maybe he has better receivers to work with. Uh, I'm not so sure. Uh, but the Cowboys need to adopt whatever the Seahawks are doing and use uh, uh, Prescott in the same manner. Uh, get the ball out of his hand right now. 
Uh, does he? I, I would give the love Jason Witten a, a remarkable career, but I'm giving uh, Jimmy Graham the edge over him right now. So maybe he's he's definitely more of a threat than Jason Witten is. And uh, opposing teams feel like we can just cover him with a tight end. Uh, excuse me, with a linebacker. So get the ball out of Prescott's hand. Roll him out a little bit more than you have been. Uh, and, and, and you got to find new wrinkles to make him comfortable. He's pretty good throwing all, on the run. Usually, he wasn't so much versus the Chargers. But yeah, I'm with you. They look lost. They look extremely lost. I didn't expect them to win that ball game. Be surprised if they win another one. But they have to come up with some wrinkles on the offensive side of the ball and defensively. Woeful. They can't cover anybody. Uh, they're just bad on that side of the ball. I know Sean Lee is not there. They need a bona fide run stuffer. And they don't have that guy right now. So uh, you like what they have on the edges, especially with Demarcus Lawrence, the year he's having. But give me a big buddy, a big body in the middle of that defense, someone who can stop the damn run. People are running on them, they're passing on them, they're doing what the hell, whatever the hell they want to do on them. Yeah, and for people that are enjoying this because Jerry Jones is upset that his team is crumbling and say, this is what you get, Jerry, for doing all the stuff you've been doing. Remember, if you don't take Jerry Jones's side in this fight that he's fighting, then you're taking Roger Goodell and the other pompous owner's side. So like, don't be thinking, oh, Jerry, this is what happens, Jerry, when you challenge stuff and you're being Jerry Jones. The other side of that that argument is there's not good people there either. So, I mean, it's just it's amazing to me how Roger Goodell could be the most hated person in sports, but yet Jerry Jones somehow trumps that. I mean, I've seen so much, like, rub it in the face of Jerry Jones stuff after the Cowboys – uh, played so poorly on Thanksgiving. It's like, it's like come on, will you, will you get a grip on yourself? I mean, everybody's evil. All right, coming up next, <laughs> we've got uh, a bogus update, and Barrett Salee joins us to talk some college football. Keep it right here. This is L.A. Chargers head coach Anthony Land, and you're listening to Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Bogish, give us an update, will you? Ben Roethlisberger threw four touchdown passes on Sunday Night Football. Two of them went to Antonio Brown, but their most important connection, not in the end zone. Snap comes in chest high. Pressure comes late. Wings it to the left sideline for Antonio Brown, who makes the catch. Did he make it inbounds? The officials are going to talk. They're conferring, and it's a catch! After Brown's 10th and final catch, Chris Boswell did this. Good snap. Good hold. The kick on the way for Boswell. It is up, and it is good! The Pittsburgh Steelers win it! 31-28! Kevin Kugler, Westwood won the Steelers sidestepping the Packers in Pittsburgh on that 53-yard boot. The Steelers have won six straight, remain even with the Patriots atop the AFC. Both are 9-2 after New England Handled Miami in the afternoon, 35-17. The Eagles steamrolled the Bears, 31-3 for their ninth straight victory. But the Saints' eight-game run ended in L.A. The Rams a 26-20 win as Jared Goff threw for 354 and two scores. His head coach, Sean McVay. You guys are starting to see just Jared continue to mature week in and week out, making good decisions. Uh, a lot of tough looks that they do present. You know, Coach Allen uh, mixes it up. They caught us with a couple blitz looks right there, but he stayed tough. The Rams have won five of six. They're eight and three overall, one game ahead of the Seahawks atop the NFC West. Seattle a 24-13 win in San Francisco. The Jaguars' four-game winning streak Ending in Arizona 27-24 on Phil Dawson's career-long 57-yard field goal with one second left. The Browns are 0-11 after a 30-16 loss in Cincinnati. 
And the Titans got their first ever win at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indy 2016. Tennessee has reportedly backed out of an agreement to hire Greg Schiano <laughs> as head coach after fans <laughs> and media went nuts when news of the hire broke because Schiano allegedly ignored Jerry Sandusky's evil while Schiano was a Penn State assistant. Florida's new head coach, officially, it's former offensive coordinator Dan Mullen. He was the Mississippi State head coach the last six seasons. Texas A&M firing Kevin Sumlin. Arizona State firing Todd Graham. In the old motion bracket of the PK-80, Duke erased a 17-point hole with 10 to play to beat Florida 87-84 for the crown. 30 points and 15 rebounds for Marvin Bagley III. Michigan State smothered North Carolina 63-45 to win the victory bracket. Those the second fewest points the Heels have scored under Roy Williams. And number 16, Texas A&M, a 75-59 winner at 10th-ranked USC. You're cruising for a bruise. Brooklyn, a 98-88 win in Memphis. The Grizzlies have dropped eight straight. And the Texas Rangers reportedly close to a one-year deal, plus an option for 2019 with right-hander Doug Fister at a 4.88 ERA over 15 starts and three relief appearances for the Red Sox last season. Before we get to uh, Mr. Salee, can I give one hook'em horns to Phil Dawson? 42-year-old, 57-yard game-winning field Was he goal. your kicker when you were there? No. Okay. <laughs> Not I got bad. Him, I've got it, got him beat for by a few years. Yeah, eight to be exact. <laughs> oh, thank you for your math. Not eight yet, punk. Yeah, we're close enough. Oh, shut up. Seven plus. All right, joining us right now, Barrett Salee of CBS Sports, college football writer and analyst. Barrett, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good, guys. What's going on? Oh, a lot. Uh, uh, rule. <laughs> yeah, right. Jeez. All right, so what What was your takeaway from everything that happened with Tennessee and Greg Schiano yesterday? Well, that John Curry is, is the most tone-deaf deaf athletic director on the planet, and he should not be employed there. That to, to Just let's put aside the, the Jerry Sandusky stuff and the connection to, to Greg Schiano. Why on earth is Greg Schiano a good coach for Tennessee from a pure football perspective? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not. It doesn't make any sense. He is uh, very, very similar to Butch Jones from a personality standpoint, which is one of the primary reasons Butch Jones got fired. Uh, he has, I, I think, his success at Rutgers was a little bit overinflated due to the, due to the situation he was in and the, to the conference at that time. It doesn't make any sense to hire him from a pure football perspective. And then you throw in you know, the, the potential you know, connection to Jerry Sandusky. Why on earth would you think that that's a good idea if you're athletics director John Curry? Because Chiano, I don't think people know he's got a beef with Peyton Manning. He, he, they they don't, do not get along at all. He was, did not consult with Philip Fulmer, which you need to do. He didn't consult with anybody. And to, to let this happen and to go down this way, and to have a signed, reportedly signed mem- uh, memorandum of understanding for him to be the coach without having, you know, tested the water, so to speak, it's just, it's mind-boggling. It, it speaks to the lack of proper leadership throughout the entire Tennessee Athletics Department, and that goes all the way to the top, to the top boosters, the Haslams, who just so happen to be involved with the Cleveland Browns, which should tell you something about their acting. <laughs> well, Curry, that was a huge misstep, not uh, involving Phil Fulmer into the process. And I just talked to Coach Fulmer about a week and a half ago, and, and he didn't say, well, I hope to be privy to what happens, but uh, if they have any questions, I would answer them in, during this search. So, yeah, I'm with you 100%. 
this was purely football, uh, from a purely football perspective, no way Greg Schiano should have been on your list. No way whatsoever. And so you have what they had there, mob rule uh, as such. Now, T. Martin, why isn't he on their list? Why aren't they calling one of their own? I don't know. I, I have no idea. I think the, the one thing in, in this specific instance with T. Martin is that he doesn't have any head coaching experience. And while that may not necessarily mean he's going to be a bad coach, I think Tennessee's a little spooked. And a lot of schools in the SEC, I think, are spooked by hot, not hot, with, with, with coaches who do not have major college experience. Dan, Dan Mullen didn't have it when he went to Mississippi State. Dan Mullen did not, but and that's and that's the exception. But you look at some of the guys who had not had Power Five jobs at the SEC when they got jobs. Will Muschamp failed at Florida. Now he's doing a great job because he had that experience under his belt. Jim McElwain. The biggest problem with him was that he didn't know how to to, to operate a major college football program. Butch Jones, the same thing. Kevin Sumlin, I think the same thing early on. Now I think Kevin Sumlin got it, but I think it was too little, too late, and obviously. You know, he got fired. So I think there are a lot of schools that are spooked by that. Um, that's not a reason to, to cross T. Martin off your list because I think T. Martin would be a fantastic coach. And, then, you know, from an offensive perspective, he's, he's great. And then from a recruiting perspective, he's an ace recruiter, and he's from the Mobile area, which is a, a talent-rich area, which Tennessee doesn't necessarily get into a lot. But with him, maybe you can. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I'm with you. I think he should be included. I understand why – they're, they're a little spooked because of all that's gone on, especially at Tennessee. But T. Martin should get a job this offseason somewhere as a head coach, whether that be at South Alabama or one of these other Sunbelt schools or wherever. He should be a head coach next year, no doubt. Gio and Jones of Barrett Salee, CBS Sports College football writer and analyst. You talk about the uh, university there and the, uh, the hiring process being spooked about guys who don't have head coaching experience. How about these coaches that are available that might be spooked about the situation at Tennessee where yeah. if they aren't received well that they might get thrown out of there by a mob? Do you think that this whole thing uh, looks so poorly for Tennessee that there's going to be guys that are, are running away potentially from this opportunity? Well, I don't think the mob really has anything to do with it. I think the mob was justified. I think the, the rising up against Greg Schiano was, was a, a good move by Tennessee fans. They got what they needed. They did a good job voicing their displeasure for a hire that was inexplicable. Um, they I didn't do a good job of painting the, the covered-up child rape at Penn State on a rock. I mean, they definitely got what they wanted, but I think that they, they used that Penn State thing a little bit too much to – to uh, ruin this guy's reputation. If that's the thing that you said they needed to do to get it done, and that was the most important thing, you know, maybe I could buy that. But I thought that that was way over the top, uh, using that to be the the number one outcry to not have Shiano be the coach. Well, the Tennessee fans that I've talked to, most of them understand that it, that, that it was really more about football than anything else. Now, they used that for sure. And look, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to even say here nor there you know, what Shiano did or didn't know about the whole Jerry Sandusky thing, but – um, being connected to that is, is bad, regardless. And, and I think the majority of Tennessee fans that I've talked to, and I even voted this out when his name was mentioned a week ago, uh, I, didn't even put, I didn't even think about the, the, the connection to Sherry Sandusky. I, I don't like it from a, from a football perspective, and I think most Tennessee fans do. Now, um, you know, yeah, they, they may have gone a little overboard with the, the specifics of the protest, but um, the, the, the mob rule was justified because they're sick of inept leadership. And that's, um, that's the problem. The mob is not the problem. The problem is the fact that, that, that John Curry has continued a long trend of, of 
just complete ineptitude from that athletics department. So for other coaches that would be considered, that I think is the problem because Tennessee went from a situation where John Curry got hired you know, about a year ago or announced about a year ago. They fire Butch Jones. You're basically at a clean slate, right? Like, so you've got this basically clean slate to come in and stabilize an unstable athletics department. And you thought you had that on Friday. And by Sunday night, it was more unstable than it's ever been. And, and so I think that's the problem. I think coaches are going to look at the situation and say, do I really want to get into that mess with that leadership, with that department, based on how quickly this thing turned? And I think a lot of coaches would say, no, they don't. That's, that's the problem is John Curry has damaged that athletic department to a point where it's more unstable than any in the SEC right now, maybe outside of Ole Miss. And it, which is interesting, and what compounds the situation, the fact that he had been at Tennessee previously prior right? to going like to Kansas State. Down. Right. He had been there. He knows the lay of the lane. He knows how it works, and yet he comes and steps in it big time with this Greg Schiano mess. So uh, it's just amazing that uh, – that uh, it's just a calamity of errors by this guy who's supposed to be leading this football program. Who do you think leads Arkansas next? I know Mike Norvell's there at Memphis. They've had a pretty good year. They're going to be playing UCF in a rematch. UCF uh, just uh, thoroughly whipped them earlier in the year back in September. I think it was 40-13 to 13 in that ball mm-hmm. game. But Norvell is a hot name now because of what he was able to do there at Memphis. Yeah, I mean, I actually talked to some folks that are pretty in tune with the boosters out there yesterday. And, I mean, Gus Malzahn was never, ever really a, a realistic candidate. They shot their shot. They, they thought they could shoot their shot. But, obviously, he's not going to leave Auburn based on where Auburn is right now. Um, they've, I think, moved on from that and really moved on from that uh, even before the Iron Bowl. I think Mike Norvell, I've, I've talked to some folks. Mike Norvell is certainly high on their list. He played at Central Arkansas. He's uh, coached at Tulsa, which is right across the border from, from, from Fayetteville about 45 minutes away. He knows the lay of the land. Uh, they, they, he can spark the offense, and I think that's the biggest thing is they understand that, that Brett Bielema basically stripped them of their identity. Their identity was uniqueness, mm-hmm. and, and Mike Norvell can bring that. But the name I've heard more than, than anything else the last 24 hours or so is Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables because um, look at what he's done at Clemson. He's paired his defense, top 10 nationally almost every single year, with a high-octane offense. He's done that successfully. And if they can get Brent Venables as a head coach with a, a, a good offensive coordinator who understands what Arkansas needs to be, um, then, then I think they're very high on him. And this is a guy who met a lot of these Arkansas boosters last year when he won the Broyles Award, which is based in Little Rock, given to the top assistant coach in the country. So that's the name that I've heard the last 24 hours or so more than anybody. Um, and, and I think – um, they're they're sort of waiting it out. I, I don't necessarily think that they're very comfortable with how <laughs> this search is going because there was supposed to be a committee. They thought they'd have a group. They have an interim AD, and no one really knows who's leading anything at this point. But I think they're starting to, to coalesce, so to speak, around Brent Venables, uh, Mike Norvell, and maybe a couple other guys, Chad Morris and a few others, that they feel like they have a legitimate shot at. Why or why not will this Chip Kelly-UCLA marriage work? Well, I think it will work. I think the one hiccup, and uh, you know, I think okay, it will work because Chip's offensive mind is is obviously what UCLA needs. Uh, he knows how to organize a program, which Jim Mora doesn't. Um, and so, I think from a structure standpoint, he'll bring discipline within that building, um, and and that's something they desperately need. And Chip Kelly, I think, very quietly towards the end of his Oregon tenure, recognized the need to to win the line of scrimmage more so than maybe he did early in his Oregon career, even when he was a coordinator, when they were just off the nest. So 
that'll play well in, in L.A. when you've got basically a, 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 a melting pot of great athletes to choose from that are of all shapes and sizes and, and styles. So, you know, you can basically just open your doors and have guys that, that can fit that mold come in. So that's why I think it will work. Why it won't work, it's UCLA. And, and that's a really bad analysis. I understand that. But UCLA always finds a way to screw it up. They're the king of just okay. And I don't I have any explanation for it. But something always seems to happen with that program. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt Luke, I was going to say Matt Rule. Uh, Matt Luke at Ole Miss, this was a no-brainer because they know the, the hammer is about to hit them over the head as far as NCAA sanctions. They're at Ole Miss. And they've already self-imposed uh, some. But Matt Luke, that, that made sense for him to just to continue to steer this ship, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the more, you know, it's funny, the last couple of weeks, you know, we haven't really heard much about the Ole Miss search at all. Um, and I think that's because they do fear and feel that the NCAA is going to come down pretty harsh on them. And if that's the case, then, yeah, Matt Luke's the guy. I mean, look, Ole Miss was actually a really fun football team the last month of the season. They were, they were entertaining. They've got some decent players that are going to stick around, uh, you know, assuming they don't, you know, have the ability to transfer elsewhere. And having a guy like Matt Luke, um, who's an Ole Miss lifer, a guy who's married to the program, and saying, hey, look, dude, we're going to give you – a long time to get your bearings and make this thing work. I think that's the right move. It's, it's essentially what Ohio State could have done had Urban Meyer not fallen into their lap because Luke Fickle was not ready to be a head coach in 2011 when he was there at Ohio State as the head coach. They recognized that. He went back to being an assistant. They got Urban Meyer. But Luke Fickle became a good head coach and obviously got the Cincinnati job last year. Now, it didn't go well at Cincinnati, but he earned that job, right? So I think they feel like Matt Luke could sort of follow that same path. He wasn't ready as a head coach this year. He did a pretty good job, and he showed promise. And if he showed promise with this team, then maybe two, three, four years down the road, he becomes a complete head coach, and you get the players, you get through probation, and you become a competitive football team again. I think that's what they're looking at, and I think that's the right way to approach this, knowing that you're probably not going to be relevant for a few years anyway. Hey, Barrett, thanks for the time this morning. We appreciate it, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you down the road. All right, thanks, guys. Barrett Salee, CBS Sports College football writer. And All right, thanks, analyst. guys. You can. <laughs> yeah, you got out of there real quick. Thank you, guys. Was that a uh, sneeze or what was that uh, when he was talking? Did he sneeze while talking or something dropped? Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah it was. I think it was a laugh. Oh, it was a laugh. Oh. It was an ill placed laugh, I think is what it was. Oh, we may he have did to... a nice job. Oh, he was great. I just, I was just wondering what that noise was. Okay. Yeah, well, that's all. That's all, dog. Chuckle. Okay. That's all. Thank you, Okay. Sit. Stop. All right. We're coming right back. Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. He is Jones on the phones, and he gets information just sent to him at all times of the day because... He's that popular in the college football world, and apparently that just happened again, Brian? Yeah, quit texting me, damn it! Jones on the phones. Okay, don't stop texting me. Uh, SMU, SMU may be losing their head coach because Chad Morris, who's been there now for uh, three seasons, 13-22 in those seasons, is uh, on the top of the list for Mississippi State, replacing Dan Mullen. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's you said 13 and 2. 13, 13 and 22. 22. Yes. 13 and 22. 22. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, Chad right. Morris, uh, and you, you heard uh, Barrett Salee mentioned that he may be drawing some attention from Arkansas as well. And Mississippi State, their AD, John Cohen, really likes Chad Morris. And the type of offense he runs there at uh, at uh, SMU, it's conducive to what they've been doing there at at, uh, at Mississippi State. So uh, uh, Chad Morris, hot name, and he was hot for the Baylor job a season ago. Many thought he would get that. That didn't come to fruition. They went with Matt Rule. So now he is back uh, in focus for a number of these openings. It's time to answer our Ask the Pros question of the day brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Today's question comes from Twitter. At GOAT78, should Crabtree and Talib serve suspensions? When it gets cold out there, your vehicle needs some extra attention. O'Reilly Auto Parts has the parts you need to keep your vehicle in fighting shape for the cold weather ahead. From choosing the right antifreeze for your engine to replacing your windshield wiper blades. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Uh, speaking of fighting shape. Yeah, that was uh, apropos. To, right, <laughs> Crabtree and Toledo. No, because they were out for the majority of that football game, and I think that's the way that it works. If a guy gets thrown out in the fourth quarter of a game, late fourth quarter, and then maybe the next week he's out for a game with a suspension. But if I, if I see a couple players get thrown out early in a game, I do not have them serve a suspension the next week. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, there was a history there, and uh, I, I know it's looked uh, down upon when those things happen, and I don't see it uh, the same way I, I used to, and especially when the guys have a history like that. I expected that to occur, to tell you the truth. Uh, yeah. and, and, and so you knew they were going to be in front of each other, cornerback uh, and a, a wide receiver, and you get your chain snatched again, you're going to be angry about it. So. Uh, they had what they had there. I, I still can't believe those Raiders players uh, took them so long to come to the defense of Crabtree. That's just unacceptable. We've talked a ton about college football coaching news and a name that we spent a lot of time on on Wednesday that we didn't talk about today because there's been so much other stuff is Jim Harbaugh. And they end up, it was a 12-point spread. They end up losing by 11 in that game after having a 14 nothing. <coughs> excuse me, 14 nothing lead. Uh, that was a cough, by the way, just so you know. It was not, oh, okay. a, uh, it was not a sneeze. It was not a laugh. It was a cough. Uh, so, uh, and and everybody's looking to have the referendum on Jim Harbaugh like I thought was going to happen. I thought it was a referendum game for him. Now, I don't believe that there's going to be any movement from the Michigan brass on Harbaugh at this point. That, to me, is, is way – it's a crazy thought at this juncture. But this Jay Glazer report, that's interesting to me, where it says that NFL teams hope they can get Harbaugh out of Michigan – meaning that you know maybe Harbaugh says, all right, this wasn't for me like I expected it to be, and there if there's an NFL job out there that's good, like maybe I'll go, and maybe they won't be as upset if I go now because this thing hasn't worked out the way I expected it to in year three. Uh, I, I still think the most likely situation is he goes back in year four and you know has a better year. I, I do think that that is the most likely situation, but it is interesting to me that there's NFL guys out there sniffing around that situation going, hmm, I wonder if Jim Arbo's ready to come back to the old NFL. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised that there would be interest from the NFL. He had a ton of success uh, in the NFL. He did now the, the last year there, and he's a quirky dude, man, and, and it's, it's obvious he rubbed some people the wrong way uh, in that San Francisco locker room, and we were just mentioning Crabtree. He was one of those guys. He was uh, sharing information about his feelings about Harbaugh 
uh, to a certain few people in the media, and they were then sharing it with all of us. So uh, he is he is really quirky, and maybe that goes over much, much better at the collegiate ranks than it does at the pro ranks. But that being said, he was on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl, second or third year at, at the helm there for the 49ers. So he, he found some type of magic there. and and But I, I don't see him giving up this job at, at his alma mater just yet. Uh, next year is going to be critical for him and that staff and that program. He has to beat Ohio State next year. He has to. Write it down, take a picture, record it, whatever you have to do. He has to beat Ohio State next year. Or all bets are off at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's an embarrassing situation for them when especially you got a game like that at home and you're winning in the beginning mm-hmm. and you're winning convincingly and then all of a sudden it just falls apart and, and Ohio State is capable of that. Uh, minus, that. How about minus six yards? Minus six total yards in the first quarter for Ohio State. Yeah. Just amazing. Mm-hmm. And for them to go hot and cold within a game like that again, like they did with Penn State. I mean, they are really just the most fickle team I've ever seen. I mean, you just don't know from quarter to quarter, from down to down, what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that was certainly the case against Michigan. How about this JT Barrett story about this? <laughs> I mean, did you see him reenacting it at the yeah, end? Yeah, he stood. He stood up in the press conference and like went through the blow by blow. It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it was interesting. He needs to probably get into a theater class because I wasn't sold on the reenactment. And they're tight quarters there, as there are in a lot of collegiate stadiums. And so he was saying there was a cameraman trying to get between he and Ohio State bench and nipped him somewhat and, and tweaked that knee then. He went out and played. And and then he just, uh, late in the ball game, uh, he, he felt it again, and, and he had to come out and didn't reenter. Luckily for them, they had Dwayne Haskins who took over, and, and he looked pretty well. Michigan couldn't stop him, nor could they stop J.K. Dobbins. And so Ohio State gets their 13th out of 14 victories versus their arch rival. But, yeah, that's a surreal story. And, and then Urban Meyer is just a drama queen. Are we going to have a full investigation of what went on there and put out an APB on the camera? Really? Probably just a little freak accident. Yeah, I would be. It would be an unbelievable story if that guy right. was paid by, you know, someone at Michigan or someone at Wisconsin to take out yeah. JT Barrett. I mean, that would be the most unbelievable story ever. But I just don't believe that. Or even like a gambling situation. Yeah. You know, maybe that. But I, I just don't believe. I, I can't. If I start believing that stuff like that could happen. Then it's that point that I don't think I could watch sports anymore. Yeah, you know, what I mean, the thing because this is, is all the nonsense that goes on in sports. If I think that any bit of it, if people are trying to fix stuff like that. Nancy Kerrigan. I know it is. There I, is a Tanya Harding was at the game. <laughs> Imagine that mm-hmm. big, humongous dude with the <laughs> crowbar, whatever that was. <laughs> Why, why, why? That's what I'm going to be saying on this drive home. <laughs> i got a couple of minutes to embark on the drive back to New York. I just really, really hope it goes smoothly. The drive here was fine. No big problems, but this will be the one. Well, we'll be safe, man. Off. Yeah, thank you. Hey, I, man, I will. You, would you, won't you run by uh, the airport and bring me some of those pancakes from Simon's Restaurant? I'm not going to go by the airport. Dang, I would go for you. No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. The hell out of here do anything like that. All right, thanks to Barrett Salah. Salou Salih. <laughs> que Sarah, Sarah. Mikey B, Petey Meats, Bogish, and Pierno. Enjoy your day. We'll be back tomorrow. Gio and Jones, CBS Sports Radio.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.